Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository along with Josh Weir and Joe Scalzo. We're here to look back at week five of the high school football season for Stark County area football teams. Perry, Maslin, and McKinley each improved to 5-0 and on a storm-filled night, which delayed the start of many games nearly an hour, including the first one we're going to talk about, which is McKinley's 40-21 win over Hoover. Josh Weir covered that game for us and sat through the delay and put him in fine spirits as he arrived tonight what uh it looked like mckinley really got the running game going after a, a pretty exciting first half first of all i'm always cheery so i don't want to i don't want you to act like i'm negative but um yeah uh you know i think we the thing that stuck out to me was you know we kind of went into the year knowing mckinley they had a veteran quarterback who was really good and they had some really good receivers there was questions about their you know their offensive line and their run game and you know, Lemire, Lemire Garrett comes out and just runs through Hoover's defense and puts up you know 253 yards and four touchdowns. So if McKinley has both of that, you know if they have the the, the pass game, uh, you know Elijah Curtis making great decisions and some of the athletes they do out outside, and then you you have that running with with Garrett, um, I mean breaking you know getting the tough yards and breaking big plays. I mean that's going to make uh, make the the pups pretty tough to beat. What did uh, McKinley think got the running game going here the last two weeks? Uh, up front, Garrett maturing, combination? I think it's a, obviously a combination, but I, I, I do think their offensive line's made some strides, and I think he's kind of uh, – I don't know if he if he would put it in these words, but I think he's kind of settled on Garrett, and uh, he's getting the bulk of the carries, and, I mean, it's easy to see why. He's um, not, not extremely fl- flashy or anything, but he, uh, he runs really hard. He runs through a lot of tackles, and um, – just a tough, you know, 5'10", 180-pound kid and uh, gives him a, a good kind of compliment to uh, some of the stuff that Jalen Ross and Kyrie Woody and those kind of uh, kids can do out um, out on the edge. Looks like he's maybe running with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I saw the one quote in your story that's on FridayNightOhio.com right now uh, where he was aware of people kind of questioning the running game a little. That's a good plug for my story by the way but um yeah he runs he runs hard you know again not a not a he's not he's not looking to make a lot of guys miss you know there's the, mckinley has those kind of guys and i mean Kyrie woody had a just incredible juke move tonight on a, on a I was poor hoover defender that. i mean it was you know some kind of comeback route over on the right sideline and they were in, they were all by themselves and man he he just left him there i mean he put him on the ground with, <laughs> with no contact just uh and uh but uh yeah you know garrett's not a shake and bake guy man he runs hard and uh kind of gives him a you know nice nice change of pace to some of the some of the maybe more athletic explosive guys they have out outside what's uh what's so special about curtis uh, every week he seems so efficient 12 of 14 maybe tonight it was yeah, yeah. i think he's had a 13 of 16 recently uh, I don't think he's really thrown more than like five or six incompletions in a game. Does he just have a great head for what's what needs to be done at specific times? Yeah, I think you know it's a combination of he's a really smart kid. Um, you know, this is an Army recruit, West Point. I think he was a you know an engineering student at McKinley. You know, he's a he's a really smart kid, makes good decisions, and he actually throws a really nice ball. I mean, he had a a forty six yard touchdown pass to Woody tonight that was uh, you know beautiful. I mean, just. Uh, kind of a double, kind of a pump and a double move type uh, type action, and uh, dropped it in there perfectly. So, you know, he's just he's got a lot of game. He's really smart, 
uh, you know, he, he seems like he could be pretty efficient uh, or pretty effective in the run game, too, but they don't really run him a ton. Um, he kind of picks and chooses his spots. Maybe they just don't want to beat him up. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's just, you know, a really smart kid. He's accurate, and I, I think he, uh, you know, he rarely – uh, gets himself in trouble with throwing the ball in the double coverage or anything like that. Joe, you uh, as we wake you up, you're holding your brownie over there. Bring you in. You saw McKinley earlier this year. Are you? Uh, is this the type of process you thought they'd be going through that you'd be hearing such things about the running game coming along, Curtis making good decisions? Is that kind of the team you thought would develop? from when you saw him early? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of saw the talent there, but um, yeah, everything was just probably a little bit slower than you'd seen the year before just because guys getting used to the speed of varsity play. But I mean, the, the talent was obvious. I mean, Kyrie Woody, I mean, you don't need to be a real genius to know how good he is. And, and you know, Elijah Curtis is just, he was kind of the stabilizing force for him early was they waiting for like some other things to emerge. And, and I'm not really surprised um, that they became uh, such a good team. I, I guess I was a little bit surprised that they, they handled Hoover, at least on the scoreboard, the way they did. And, and I don't know, Josh, you can weigh in on, on, on just what's keeping Hoover from taking that next step that they've been kind of waiting for the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure tonight because, I mean, Hoover came out uh, look. Uh, great on their first two drives. I mean, their offensive line was kind of dominant and uh, they were pushing guys around and I mean, they just kind of went down the field and scored as they wanted and um, and they just, you know, they, they just got a little bit sloppy, I thought, after that. You know, they, they had a couple bad penalties and um, and then McKinley's defense kind of kind of just rose up and and you know really did it. Did, you know, they weren't getting blown off the ball as that game went on. And you know usually I think that's kind of what Hoover counts on. They're going to wear you down as the game goes on, and that that didn't happen. I mean McKinley was was by far the the team with more energy as that second half went on. And I thought it was you know was pretty impressive by their defense um, to to hold up against that Hoover offense that can that can put up. You know they, Hoover's offense has a lot of weapons. I mean they are legitimately good and uh man they, they they did a nice job yeah it sounded like early on they were you know moving the ball at will yeah yeah i mean they, they went straight down the field and scored their first two times they um and yeah you know i, I don't know if mckinley you know they make a ton of adjustments maybe they might have brought a little more pressure then as, as you know time went on but um yeah, they, they held up great, and they, they look like the much fresher team in the second half, that was for sure. With McKinley, is is the big Achilles heel going forward penalties? Uh, I know you wrote about that earlier this year where they kind of cleaned that up, but it sounded like uh, they had a couple of, you know, they lost a touchdown on one, obviously, and, and they had a couple of others that seemed like they were, you know, could have really hurt them. Well, yeah, I mean, especially as you get into tougher teams and, you know, as if you get into the Division One playoffs and you're, playing a mentor or an ignatius or eds or something you know uh they, i think they had eight penalties tonight that, that that that's gonna it's gonna cost you in some you know some some bigger games and yeah as you said i mean woody had a 95 yard kickoff return called back and um so yeah it's, it's something that you know they have to clean up and um boy i think if they do they're uh, especially offensively they are they are tough to handle we're going to look at some other games in just a moment. A reminder that the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, September 21st, when Perry hosts Hoover. Kickoff, 7 p.m., broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live-streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin and Jeff Shreve provide the call each Friday night with Todd Porter on the sidelines. And uh, Hoover obviously was in tonight's game against McKinley. Their opponent next week, Perry, 29-12, winner over Louisville. 
I believe you've seen Perry a couple of times. Joe uh, didn't see him tonight, obviously. But what uh, what is it that you think this Perry team's doing right now as we hit midseason? Uh, before I wait on that, I want you got a couple jabs at us. I'd like to note to the listeners that all three of us have kids under the age of five, and it's past midnight, so you're ripping on our energy level. <laughs> We're dragging a little bit. There was a lot of delays tonight, so. Uh, yeah, and for the listeners that don't know, Joe brings up the fact that he has twin daughters in the office. Well, I wasn't going to bring often, that up, Chris, but uh, since you mentioned it. <laughs> but go on with the point. We're all, uh, so Perry, I mean, Perry was uh, kind of like McKinley that you kind of figured they needed some time to put things together. And, and I think in both cases, Perry and McKinley tonight, both just impressive wins. Louisville came in with a lot of momentum. They've been playing really well. And they just played Perry football. They shut down um, uh, the passing attack a little bit on Louisville enough, and they just—I think they—I think they ran for 400 yards, 419 yards, and just did what they do. And and uh, yeah, it's interesting. They're kind of setting up that showdown for for uh, I think it's probably like week eight or nine between between them and McKinley. That's that's going to be fun. But uh, yeah, that, that was an impressive win, I think, for for Perry tonight. Yeah, I, I thought that was. Uh pretty impressive that they were that they held down the Louisville passing attack because you know I think if Perry has any Achilles heel especially when you talk to coach Wakefield about it it's 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 covering good you know good passing games covering guys in space and you know to hold a Louisville team that just shredded Lake, no offense, Joe. Um, <laughs> last week, that's uh, it's impressive by Perry. It shows a little uh, versatility in their their game. Yeah, I think that was something we had talked about earlier in the week uh, when it was Joe and I on the podcast earlier in the week. You know, how would Perry's pass defense do with this probably being the the first big test that the pass defense was going to get? And and obviously, looking at that score, they passed. Hey, not, not to change the subject, but speaking of alma maters getting crushed, uh, did you want to bring up Maslin beating Firestone forty-two to nothing? Because our sports editor Chris Bevan is a Akron Firestone grad. I knew I'd regret bringing Josh Weir in tonight, but yeah, we were going to talk about that game a little later on, but we can go there now. Maslin continues to not get tested. I think this is four straight running clock games uh, for them, and uh, you know, I think the Stone did all right to only go down forty-two to nothing. That, <laughs> that could have been worse. So we'll, we'll we'll take 42 to nothing and get back into City Series play here. But <laughs> the Tigers obviously really good uh, this year and, and just kind of rolling along. And I think it's something we've talked about before. They, they at some point, I'm sure, would like to be in a competitive game to be tested because come the end of the season against McKinley and then obviously the division two playoffs you don't keep beating people 42 to nothing you're gonna have to play four quarters yeah and it's I don't I mean they, they have Austin Town Fish next week but Fish got beat pretty good by Harding who Maslin's already played and, and so I, I don't know that they'll get tested next week either I mean really at this point like we're kind of watching Jameer Thomas to see if he can set the school's like rushing record and rushing touchdown record. That's right, I think he, what, he about 300 yards coming into today. I think it was yeah, or, something like that, something just under that. So I mean, obviously that's well within his reach. The East St. Louis team is maybe the one that's going to give them the big test ahead of McKinley in theory. Yeah. So I mean, and like you said, I, I I think the problem that you're seeing is that everyone's kind of eyeing a Hoban showdown, and Hoban's getting uh, tested a little bit more because because their schedule's loaded up a little bit more, and and uh, so we'll see if that matters. Hoban had the big win tonight against uh, its arch rival uh, St. V at the University of Akron. 
I think that was thirty-five to three. Ended up being the final, if I heard it was it was fourteen to three at half, and then and Hoban asserted itself and pulled away. And you know, last year that the way that was set up, they were on opposite brackets and wouldn't have met till the till the state finals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that'll get bracketed this year. Division two is weird, where you'll have three Northeast Ohio teams in three different regions because yeah. last year. It was obviously those two, and then if I recall, Wadsworth and Barberton might have been in a different one. I think sitting at like ten and zero, nine and one, whatever yeah, their records were. I, don't know. I think they might have played Barberton in like either the regional final. It, it, it maybe it was Wadsworth. Yeah, it, it was the outlier yeah, there. So. so those those regions in Division Two are always interesting. Move back into the Federal League. Jackson thirty one to seventeen over Lake. Uh, a big bounce back game for Jackson. I think uh, maybe answered some questions that that uh, people might have had about them. You know, coming back strong to beat a Lake team that, you know, obviously can beat just about anybody. Yeah, and I mean, that score is actually not even indicative of how I mean, it was 31-7 until Lake tacked on 10 points at the end. And, and I, honestly, I felt like when I watched Jackson last week, they were just as good as Perry. They just didn't finish some drives and, and uh, didn't take advantage of their opportunities the way that, uh, that you know, Perry had. But, um, you know, Lake, I mean, they're probably not quite as good as they need to be. But, I mean... Two weeks in a row, they've they played good teams and lost, so we'll see what, what they can do. But I, I honestly, I think this is probably more of a statement of how good Jackson is than, than what Lake's doing. Jackson, uh, the thing that jumped out at me when I was looking at some of the stuff after the game, looked like they had a pretty good balance. Trey White or Trey Wright threw for 170 yards, and uh, Atkins, the running back, went for 150-plus. And then a guy you've written about, Josh, uh, Jake Ryan, had another big night, well over 100 yards on, I think, seven or eight catches, had three touchdown catches from Trey Wright. Uh, a great talent, Jake Ryan. Yeah, I mean he's one of the best, you know, best weapons in Stark County. That, that's for sure. And uh, you know, for a Jackson team that I think was looking for an identity, you know, they, they it gives them a, a difference maker for sure out there on on that they can throw to. I mean, there's probably not a lot of guys that can that can guard him, and they they do. Tim Tim Butt I think does a pretty good job of scheming ways to get him you know isolated one on one and then they they if they get that one on one coverage I think they're going to him every time He's already uh, well over 500 yards for the season, so on pace for 1,000 yards receiving. Remember, FridayNightOhio.com is your home for Stark County area high school football throughout the 2018 season. Stories, scores, schedules, rosters, stats, you'll find it all there all year. Download the app and don't miss any of the news about your favorite players and teams. We're going to wrap it up here soon. Talk about one game from the EBC. Marlington 7-6 to over Carrollton thing that jumped out about that one joe uh zero zero i think it was into the fourth quarter we were figuring that Carrollton hadn't had an offensive touchdown scored in a game it was in for seven quarters until uh marlington got the the big touchdown catch by ryan cooley to, to get the win um i think marlington's the class of that league and maybe this was the close call it needed yeah, I mean they won by a, a, I mean a missed extra point, so it wasn't really anything that they did on that one. But you know, the two excellent defenses. Obviously, Carrollton has been struggling to score a little bit, but this could only help Marlington from a point standpoint, from a confidence standpoint. Um, you know, and and yeah, I mean I, I'm always impressed when when a league favorite gets into a game like that and finds a way to win, even if it's winning ugly. It's obviously something teams will have to do as the season goes on. And Marlington has two big games down the road with West Branch and Alliance. Looking at some of the top performers tonight, who jumped out at you, uh, Joe? 
Well, I mean, Jake Ryan had a huge night. I felt like he was, you know, a difference maker. And, and uh, it's hard to pick a Perry guy. But, you know, I think Richard Coleman and Chevy Leitner had big games. So. I think they had three. The, all three of their backs, Coleman, Leitner, and uh, Curtis, were over 100 yards or right at 100. Yeah, so, I, I mean, the, the, those, guys, those guys, I mean, it's kind of the same guys we've been talking about for a while. They're establishing themselves as, as kind of the, the cream of the crop in Stark County. Probably the, the performers of the night were in your game, Josh, though, with the, the quarterback-running back tandem for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and I, and I would throw uh, Kyrie Woody in there, too. I mean, he was he was special. I mean, he, you know, he had the uh, five catches for 120 yards, a touchdown. He also ran for a touchdown, had the uh, – the, the kickoff called back because of the penalty. So, I mean, you know, you could you could pick a lot of different guys for, for McKinley tonight. You know, they, I think they rolled up about 500 yards of offense, so there's plenty plenty of people eating on that uh, team tonight. <laughs> I thought I heard there was 1,000 yards in that game when uh, somebody was doing the box score in here. Was that was that right? That was close. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. There was some uh, discrepancies in the box scores between the two schools. So <laughs> You'll have that in high Sometimes, school. you know, you think stats are stats, right? But <laughs> not so. <laughs> not that cut and dry uh, every night we'll be back with a podcast next week a reminder of the akron children's hospital game of the week powered by iHeartRadio for friday september 21st is hoover at perry make that friday september 28th today's the 21st the broadcast starts at 6 30 with the old carolina pregame show thanks for downloading and listening to the friday night ohio.com podcast a podcast from the Cant repository sports department for josh weir and joe scalzo i'm chris bevin 